Hey friends, it's me, Tangia Renee with That's What She Did Podcast, and I am excited to introduce you to our episode sponsor, History Colorado. I love a great museum, and History Colorado is one of my favorites. At eight museums across Colorado, including the Center for Colorado Women's History in Denver, the team at History Colorado wants you to discover a personal and powerful connection. Plus, their incredible Bold Women Change History series is coming back this fall of 2021. Their members support local artists and designers, after-school programs for working families, and educators working with at-risk youth. Find your history at historycolorado.org. Hey there, Inspiration Junkies. It's me, Tangia Renee. And before we get to the show, I'm going to quickly ask for a favor. If you're a fan of the show, we could really use your support. We have a big goal of building resources that will help more women of color and non-binary people amplify their work and leverage the power of their stories through guest blogging and vlogging and storytelling and PR training. We need to do two simple things to make that happen continue to grow our audience so we can get more stories into more ears and fund a new website that makes blogging, vlogging, and training possible and easy. Now there's two simple ways that you can help us out right now and help make that happen. First, if you're listening on an app like Apple Podcasts that allows you to leave a review, please give us a five-star review. Reviews actually do go a really long way in helping our show get discovered by new listeners. And if you want to go the extra mile and leave us a written review, they help even more. The second thing you can do is go to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash Tangia Renee and simply buy the show a coffee. It's that simple. All proceeds from Buy Me a Coffee go towards amplifying the voices of more brilliant women. Really simple, easy peasy, just the way I like it. Leave us a review and consider buying us a coffee. Thanks so much for your support and for continuing to share our work. Smooches! You're listening to That's What She Did Podcast. I'm your host, Tangia Renee. That's What She Did Podcast is a show about the women leaders, innovators, and rebels you probably don't already know. And I'm crazy excited to have you here because this is season seven, the Movement Makers Edition. All season long, we're bringing you incredible, impactful women who are finding cool and innovative ways to move their communities forward. They're creating movements one way or another. I'm so excited to have you here. If you find value here, please consider sharing this show with your friends because that helps us grow and head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Tangia Renee and you can buy the show a coffee. All proceeds for this show go to amplifying the voices of more impactful women. Thank you for joining us and let's get started. Hello again, friends. It's me, Tangi Renee, and I am happy to have you back for this week's episode of That's What She Did podcast. This week, I'm introducing you to Nicole Lindsay, a Detroit native. Nicole is the co-founder and co-executive director for Detroit Hives, a 501c3 nonprofit working to create sustainable communities for people and pollinators by transforming vacant lots into pollinator-friendly spaces. 
In just under four years, Nicole has educated thousands of inner city youth on the importance of bee conservation through their Be the Change program. Under her leadership, She works with local Girl Scout troops to provide conservation projects. She founded the National Urban Beekeeping Day and introduced and passed a resolution with the help of Detroit City Council to recognize the city of Detroit as a bee city and transform six blighted vacant lots into green outdoor learning spaces for people and pollinators. I am thrilled to have this conversation with Nicole about urban beekeeping, something I didn't really know was a thing, and really talk about how a little creativity, a bunch of hard work, and a willingness to take a risk and step outside of your comfort zone can be the foundation for transforming entire communities. It's a lovely conversation, and what Nicole is doing with Detroit Highs is truly amazing. Let's check it out. Welcome back, everyone. I have a new incredible guest for you. I have Nicole Lindsay from Detroit Hives. And if you were paying attention to the intro, then you want to stick around for this interview because I think you're going to learn something that most of us don't know anything about. We're going to learn about beekeeping today, urban beekeeping today. But we're also going to learn why that's important on a global scale, on a micro scale. But more than that, I think you're about to hear a story about a city and people in that city and resilience and overcoming a lot of stuff that you're not going to hear in a lot of other places. So I'm really excited to introduce you to Nicole Lindsay from Detroit Hives. Let's get this thing started. Hi, Nicole. Hey, thank you for inviting me to your podcast. This is awesome. So I'm ready to. Wonderful. Definitely, definitely (laughs) my pleasure. I always like to let the audience in on how we find our guests because on this show, we crowdsource a lot. So every season, I'm like, who should I be talking to? And uh, thankfully, I have a very responsive audience here that is like sending me emails and tagging me on things. And it was a listener that tagged me on something on Instagram. And so I started following and learned about your work and was just really impressed and intrigued and felt like I learned a lot just by paying attention on the internets of what you've been doing out in Detroit. And I think you have a really important story to tell because we're going to talk about beekeeping, which generally is not something that interests me at all. I don't know anything about bees. (laughs) Other than I like honey. (laughs) But your story about beekeeping is also, I think, this really interesting nuanced story about Detroit itself and where it's been and what it's been through and what maybe the future holds. So I'd love to have that conversation with you today. And I appreciate you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to make this happen. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, thanks for inviting me out here to tell our story on your platform. So, so you're asking, how do we get started? Yeah, I mean, where was, when was there, what was the moment when you were like, bees? I'm going <laughs> to do something with bees. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not a thing that somebody's like from the city generally is probably thinking about. Like, if you grew up on a farm, okay you were a farmer, I would get that. And I feel like beekeeping, urban beekeeping specifically, is a relatively new 
in Denver for most people. I think Mm -hmm. most of us have never even considered the impact of bees on our lives. Right. So with Detroit, so I'll start here. So June 2016, me and my co-founder and my life partner, Timothy Jackson, we saw an article um, that said Detroit had over 90,000 vacant lots. So we knew we had a lot of vacant lots in the city of Detroit, but we didn't know it was on that massive scale. And so we said we could want to make a change within our community, how it is how Detroit is perceived at the time, because they were doing a lot of building up in the city, but there was most more so focused on the downtown area. They weren't thinking about revamping or rebuilding the neighborhoods. And so in this article, the city at the time couldn't handle all those vacant lots. They weren't maintaining them. They weren't cutting them. So they're looking for people like us people within the community. So like neighborhood associations, organizations, people who stay next door to a vacant lot and wanted to purchase them, to fix them up. But a lot of people in the community kind of see seen it as a, a burden. They wanted to see it cleaned up, but they maybe didn't have the budget or anything to attend to those vacant lots, maintain them or cut the lawn. But at the time they were going for $100. So me and Timothy decided we could do something about it. With $100 we can come up with you know, an idea to transform these vacant lots into something different that we never seen before. Each lot was a hundred dollars. Yep. Each lot was a hundred dollars. So each partial. What was the size of the lot? It depends on, usually the lot is pretty much where a house has been knocked down. Mm -hmm. And so you take that circumference of that lot. Sometimes if it's really big, they'll break it down into partials. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, so each partial would be about $100 each at that time. Now it's changed since then. I'm sure. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Real estate is making a comeback everywhere. Yeah. And Detroit is one of those places. (laughs) And so we thought of many ideas at the time. So we actually thought about a peacock farm where we would educate the youth and the children about peacocks and they could feed them and come out and visit like a little inner city like zoo. Uh-huh. Um, then we thought about a photography studio with Timothy's background being in photography. We wanted to create a photog- a place where people can come and they would take photos and the, the background would be the season. So like winter, fall, spring and summer. And it would have those backgrounds for people to come out and take family photos, reunions, pictures of their pets, etc. And then we also thought about something that people were already doing. They can last was transforming into a urban garden for the betterment of our health, but also to address the food security within our community as well. And then those ideas kind of sat on our vision board and we went back to doing our day-to-day. And it wasn't until a few months later, back in December of 2016, when Timothy got sick with the cold. This cold had lasted over two months and he had tried everything, home remedies, over-the-counter medication, and actually resulted in going to the doctor which is the last result. And when he went to the doctor, they still didn't help him with any with, with his issue. They gave him the antibiotics, but that still didn't help. It wasn't until he actually visited a store, a convenience store within a suburban area of Detroit called, for, it was in Ferndale, Michigan. It's called the Nine Mile, Nine Mile and Hilton store. It's a convenience store, liquor store, but it's a little bit different because it was in a suburban area. So the store owner recognized him because he come in there so often. 
they said, hey, you may have you tried the local raw honey. That's when he learned about the power of local, I mean, raw honey. And so he told them that there's pretty much medicinal properties and powers to honey. And so when you think about, he said they get the pollen and nectar from dandelions, clovers, and you're not thinking like dandelions would have something that's medicinal to it because you're always trying to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And so he brought it back home. He tried it out. He took it three times, three times a day. So three tablespoons, three times a day. And within three weeks, his cold was gone. And so I saw him starting uh, to look into more, more information about the power of local raw honey and learning about bees and how you can apply it to your eczema, if you're dealing with eczema, if you have a cut or a burn and how it can heal that, but how it can heal the body. And so just learning more and more about that. So I, I saw his interest in that and started going down a rabbit hole with him. And so I said, hey, why don't we transform a vacant lot into a bee farm? And so we created Detroit Hives. And so we've been in existence for, since May 23rd of 2017. So that was, so he's finally healed back in March. And then he heard about this crowdfunding campaign in Detroit where people could go and pitch their ideas. And this was just like ideas. You didn't have to physically be able to have this functioning. Mm-hmm. And so he said, well, we pitched to Detroit Soup. And so you would go to Detroit Soup and what you would do is give a donation about five or $10 into a soup pot and people will discuss their ideas over soup. So around March 14th or 15th, it was like in the middle of March of 2017, we pitched the idea and we actually won. So we won $1,600 in the seed money to begin our, our, our project. This kind of put a little push on it because a lot of people wanted to see this happen mm-hmm. and we wanted to see it happen. And so we began to look up and search and we didn't know that beekeeper was like the official term. So we had no idea about beekeeping bees. By the time we were just looking at the power of lo- local raw honey, but he agreed to say, hey, yeah, let's step out and do this. And so we contacted the Michigan Beekeeper Association, SIMBA, which is the Southeastern Michigan Beekeeper Association. Their classes were actually full at the time, but Roger Sutherland, who has passed, suggested that we take classes in rural oak and in Detroit. So we took uh, Green Toe Gardens was the first course that we took, and we took Sweet on Detroit, which is under the Keep Growing Detroit program. Mm -hmm. And so we took that, became certified beekeepers, and at that time... So when we could, took the class with Keep Growing Detroit, we actually had bees at the time. So we had our first two hives. And so we would go take classes. And as we were keeping our bees, you know, learning from the classes and taking this information back to our hives. And so, which I think it was like the, the best thing to do because you kind of have this hands-on experience, especially with our second course, because it was more hands-on. So you can see how the hive operates everything. So we did that. We were able to contact, we got in contact with the person we met at the Detroit Soup to help build our fence. We cleaned up the lots. We had our first three hives. And as of today, we exist in 14 locations and we have 45 hives throughout the city of Detroit in southeastern Michigan. I'd like to introduce you to one of my favorite places on the internet, the Free Body Society, an online apparel store that creates empowering t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops and accessories to inspire women to be bold and embrace their bodies no matter their size 
The Free Body Society is on a mission to ensure all women feel powerful and free in their bodies. From the perfect breathable tank for your next workout to a cozy crop top hoodie for those days when you want to make a statement or simply lounge it out. The Free Body Society has you covered. Personally, the super soft hoodies are my favorite. In fact, I'm wearing my curvy AF hoodie right now. I've never felt anything softer on my skin. Anytime I wear it out, I get a ton of compliments. And I love wearing the hoodies to the gym or out running errands because they just make a statement and draw people in. Any of the tops can be dressed up with a cute full skirt, jeans, and a blazer, or just throw on a tank and be workout ready. The options are endless. For being a listener of the That's What She Did podcast, you get 15% off your first purchase, plus free shipping on any order over $35. All you have to do is use code SHEDID at checkout, and the discounts are all yours. That's code SHEDID at checkout. Don't forget to head over to freebodysociety.com today and hit that discount code. Smooches! Okay. So thank you for that overview. So that brings us to how we got here. But for context, for our audience knowledge, we're a global show, thankfully. So we have people listening all over the world. So I don't want to assume that anybody knows anything about Detroit. I mean, I am an American and I I can honestly, I don't know very much about Detroit. Like I've never been there. (laughs) Um, When I think about Detroit... I only know the negative things that you hear in the news, right? Like Detroit is a bankrupt city, crime rates, failing infrastructure. I saw the documentary about white boy Rick. (laughs) (laughs) That's basically all I know. And so I'm going to assume our audience isn't that different. So I want to back up a little bit Mm. and go to, so you're Detroit is your hometown Born and raised. Born and raised. You're looking at all these vacant lots. You're even surprised to learn that there's 90,000 vacant lots that are basically just sitting there and deteriorating day day by day. What Mm -hmm. gets us to the point that there's 90,000 acres (laughs) of vacant lots in Detroit that the city is almost willing to give away for free Mm -hmm. to make something happen? in this community. What gets us there? So Detroit, known as the Motor City, so we have the big three here. We have Mm -hmm. uh, Ford, GM, Chrysler. We pretty much put the world on wheels, right? Right. Um, So it started pretty much back when the riots happened around like 67. Mm -hmm. So with the riots happening, a lot of people left Detroit. A lot of places were abandoned or burnt down or just in poor conditions. And so that's pretty much been the situation and it's just been deteriorating ever since then. Like we never got a chance to fully recover or rebuild from that it's just been on a like a decline after that as far as like the city goes and so unfortunately yes when people hear about Detroit they hear about the the negative things but it wasn't until after the bankruptcy that you started seeing more investors come in and their main focus was focusing on the downtown area Mm -hmm. 
So they weren't uh, really focused on, like I said earlier, the inner city. So we just right. been, so with people leaving, moving out to the suburbs, nobody really caring for the homes. So that the, the old, the homes were deteriorating. And then you have people who had, who, old back taxes mm-hmm. um, and not paying taxes and just that whole issue with the city too and the bankruptcies. So mm-hmm. that's why we have, we had at the time 90,000 vacant lots. I can't remember how many abandoned homes we had at the time, but we had a lot of those too. Things um, just sort of piled on top of each other. Yep. So it's just over the years from the riots up mm-hmm. until around like, 2016 and then a lot of people were I know my graduation graduating class and I know a couple of people who when we graduated a lot of people moved and relocated Mm -hmm. out of state or just you know they were just saying there's nothing here in Detroit for them so they a lot of people left right and Mm -hmm. yeah I I had read about that when the car industry really started to outsource and those jobs started to go away coupled with all of these other issues you really see the decline of detroit happening which by the way as in most cases mostly impacts the inner city mostly impacts communities of color but yes i had read that a lot of people left i know lots of people in denver that are actually from detroit and they're like Mm -hmm. there was just not enough opportunity for me to stay so i left why did you stay You know, because it's home. So I stay here. I attended college here in Michigan. I still have family here. I saw, I still saw an opportunity for me to stay here. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that might be different for everybody else. But just because Detroit always been that diamond in the rough that people, I don't know how to say it. I'm lost for words right now. It's home and I've been here and I saw an opportunity for me to still thrive here. Yeah. yeah. I think it's home is home and it's going to be hard <laughs> to yeah. walk away from even yeah. if you feel like you have to. But when mm-hmm. you're looking at your home and you're seeing all this happening around you, where do you think the determination comes from to say, I'm sticking it out. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to come up with an idea for the, one of these lots <laughs> and I'm going to do something here. What do you think brings you to that place? So I think what native Detroiters, we're resilient. I think that's etched in our DNA, you know, and uh, I've seen it as an opportunity to help our community and give back. We always want to find your purpose and, figure out exactly what it is that you can do to give back. And we've seen this as an opportunity to give back to our city. Why not? They were going for as low as a hundred dollars. And I can see that this is something that we could do to change it. And we wanted to change that narrative. Like we said, there were so many negative stories written about Detroit and we wanted to change that narrative. Our people perceived our inner city we wanted to bring back economic mobility back into our communities. And when I say community, I mean Detroit as a whole and not just one particular neighborhood. I see Detroit as my whole entire community. Right. How do you see Detroit now? It's your whole entire community. A lot has changed. I mean, real estate everywhere is booming at this stage. So there has, and there has been revitalization across the city. 
where do you think Detroit is now at this current in its current state in terms of finding some type of recovery or transforming into a new city? I think Detroit is definitely is definitely being rebuilt. We've definitely seen some gentrification going on in Detroit. But we took this as an opportunity to kind of show our community that we can make a change within our own city. And I think representation is so important and showing that we can give back. Maybe even if you don't have the $100, maybe coming up with a block club and saying, hey, let's kind of fix this neighborhood or this block or trying to come together. So I think just taking a chance and saying, let's step out on our own and start start waiting for like investors or politicians to come in to rebuild our community. I know that they're just now starting to help rebuild the communities now. And then some particular areas within Detroit, they're like rebuilding as well. But it's still on a slow recovery, but we're getting there. Mm -hmm. You're getting there. That's good to hear. So with Detroit Hives, with beekeeping, what does beekeeping bring to the community? You talked about economic development. What does that mean exactly? Draw the connection for our audience between bees and economic mobility. So when we think about economic mobility, we think about working with people and within the community. So we partnered up with a lot of women-owned businesses within Detroit. So working and partnering with uh, making a lip balm using our wax using our honey to partner up with another business and she makes dog treat partner up with another business and she has so she uses our honey for that but also uh selling our honey is another revenue stream within uh to help support our nonprofit organization and then we also do uh tours for the community through airbnb so that's another way that we connect and bring that back to the economic mobility within the city do you by any chance do photo shoots at the <laughs> to combine your earlier idea? Seems like some people would want to do a photo shoot with the bee. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, We've done uh, so many tours within the with at our bee farm, so we take pictures of people there and help them take pictures. But uh, yeah, but we do have we did have a say to be photo shoot back in twenty nineteen. So we did do a say to be photo shoot that was pretty cool. <laughs> it just I just thought about it because recently my husband and I did like a maternity photo shoot mm-hmm. and there was like all this I saw all these people online looking for like unique places to do photo shoots and somebody was like there's this place that has it's like a ghost town in mm-hmm. the forest and I was like I don't want to go to a ghost town that doesn't sound fun to me <laughs> <laughs> Like maybe somebody wants to do a maternity shoot at a a beekeeping place. That sounds actually kind of interesting. Yeah, that would be <laughs> that would actually be dope. And then probably like doing like a what can I think of it right now? A uh, why is everything slipping my mind right now? Oh my gosh, what is it called when they put the bees all over them? But I've seen a lady do that. And she put oh, them all really? uh, like a bee bearding. That's what it's called. Bee bee bearding. And I actually seen a photo of a lady and she actually did it. They had the bees all on her um, stomach. Really? Yeah. Okay. So we would love to, you know. I bet somebody would. That's a little (laughs) extreme for me. I mean, I don't have a problem with bees. I think bees are important, but I'm not trying to like (laughs) 
share skin with them. (laughs) But I don't know. Somebody would be into it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sorry. I took us on a little rabbit trail there for a second. (laughs) So with beekeeping, what has, and like, I feel really amazed and impressed that somebody there was just an idea out there that was like hey if you have a hundred dollars we have some vacant lots for you do what you want and the two of you came together and were like well bees yeah like (laughs) that makes sense to me (laughs) I never would have thought of that and then you just decide to learn everything you can about beekeeping and you turn it into a nonprofit. So what does that process, what is going through this teach you about yourself, about changing communities? Because it's so unique. Yeah. So first, health. So like um, just changing our health, but also the health within the community because it's a food insecure city where all you see is fast food restaurants, liquor stores, and gas stations where everybody's pretty much getting their food from. And even though like Tim found his honey in a suburban liquor store, convenience store, there was nothing like that within our community. And so trying to get rid of that, the sugar, the aspartame, the high processed food, giving our community opportunity for something organic, something that tastes good, that they didn't have before. Yeah, so a complete sense of purpose. Before we started Detroit Hives, I was trying to figure out what am I on here to do, Mm -hmm. on this earth to do? And so it kind of completely just changed that for us and life has been completely different. So educating the community about organic foods and how it's made and talking about the importance of bees and how they're responsible for one third of the food that we eat, but also introducing like young girls to something different that they haven't experienced before. So I get a lot of the young girls who are terrified. I mean, at one point in time, I was very fearful of bees and couldn't tell you the difference between a yellow jacket and a honeybee, which a lot of people are are terrified of is Mm -hmm. yellow jackets, wasps, when you think about bees. So just kind of educating them and seeing them light up. We have, we've had educated over 2,000 students with our Be the Change program. We've had so many tours with from all over. We like to inspire the next generation and sustainability. Not necessarily wanting them to be beekeepers, but just opening up their minds to something completely different. But also seeing somebody who represents them from their own community, mm-hmm. who they can relate to. And so uh, I didn't go to school to for entomology. I didn't have a parent or a grandparent that was into beekeeping. And so just kind of like introducing them to something different was definitely giving us a purpose in life and inviting them out to have a beekeeping suit on, pick up a frame like you see in this picture here mm-hmm. of me and just kind of opening their minds to something new. And we do that through our music and photography. So a lot of our hives are engaging. We connect with local artists and we have them paint mini murals on the hives. So they're not just those plain little boring hives. And so when we attract the people who who don't think about bees or beekeeping, because mm-hmm. we were those same exact people. So how do you engage them? We know we engage them through those avenues. 
So there's yeah. lots of different aspects of the work. So there's food sustainability, there's cultivating bees because bees are important. And if bees die off, then we literally, we have no way to make food. Can't yeah. grow food without bees. Yeah. Opening, you know, especially kids' minds up to new things that they haven't been exposed to before, which is really important for imagination and creativity and adventure and trying new things. So uh, definitely a nuance and different layers to the work. But for you all, what's endgame? So, I mean, just con- continue to do our mission. To We've actually expanded to Kansas City, Missouri. Mm. Uh, we have Mohives. We continue to inspire, like I said, the next generation and sustainability. We're growing, spreading out throughout the city of Detroit. We know that, you know, these, well, today we have 60,000 vacant lots. So we know at some point those vacant lots are going to diminish. But we want to make sure that we reserve these green spaces too, especially for our native bees. And so when you think about what's the number one thing that's killing off our, our bees is the lack of habitat. So making sure that we reserve these green spaces and to, you know, educate people about the community as a whole. When you think about the community, you don't think about like insects and mm-hmm. uh, pollinators and things like that. So kind of like being a voice for that and making sure we reserve these green spaces because right now we are ranked number four as far as with the most like bees Michigan is. And then right now we have uh, 467 species of bees and we want to keep it that way. So we've had studies done by Michigan State University and U of M has done studies saying that Detroit urban areas have been boosting native bee population. And so there's so many people who are doing urban garden. We kind of like have this urban ag hood type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so in order for those foods to go and to be more of a food secure city, we're going to need those pollinators. We're going to continue to need these green spaces to help those grow. Yeah. What do you want people to know about bees? <sighs> well, I know people to know about bees. We need them. <laughs> <laughs> we need them just as much as we they need us. Everything on this earth is uh, it has purpose. And we just need to keep this hive mind concept of, because inside of a hive, every bee works for the good of that colony. So if you play your part doing your job, making sure that you're doing your part, keeping this world going. So if you, if I'm doing bees over here and education and conservation, and somebody's over here saving the whales and or making sure we have a, a food secure city or making sure our water is clean, we all play a part for the greater good of the world. Yeah, I think it sounds really simple. We need them. But to be fair, until a couple of maybe two or three years ago, I had no idea how important bees were to humanity's ability to grow food. Right. So when you think about it, it's not just they just don't supply food for humans. They supply food for maybe that if you're not vegan, that animal that you eat, that you eat, mm-hmm. <laughs> they need food or that insect needs a particular food, but they are responsible for one third of the food that we eat. So we don't, 
we're not designed to live off soy, corn, processed foods. They're, they pollinate all the un- a- antioxidants food that we need. So like the blueberries, the strawberries, you know, all the fruits that we need, apples. So we don't have the bees and we won't be having a very nutritious diet. Like I said, we'd be stuck eating corn all day. (laughs) I don't like corn. Yeah. And then our animals will be eating corn too, which it's not good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, not good at all. (laughs) So for people who are just learning about beekeeping, or interested in learning? Because I, I do know that in, in, depending on where you live, you can keep your own beehive. I, I have a cousin actually that does this. Oh, sweet. I think they have, they're allowed to have a two or something. So mm-hmm. they have a couple of small beehives mm-hmm. in their backyard, which I think is really cool. But for people that are interested in learning more about bees and maybe even having their own beehive, if they can do that where they live, or maybe getting involved some way in urban beekeeping, how would you suggest they? start to do that? I say uh, Google is your number one friend. Your second friend is to join a beekeeping association. Um, with the beekeeping association, they tend to have classes and courses. They have all the equipment that you need. You can find mentors there. That's definitely like those two things. So like Google, YouTube, and finding an association within your your area. Another thing that I want to say is that do you do as much research as you can find more out about bees. I know a lot of people get eager to get bees and they're like and not studying and try to find mm-hmm. out what they can and not having a mentor. But if you join a beekeeping association, all your answers are like right there. Okay. What does Detroit Hives need in terms of support, how can the community, anybody listening here, support you in your work? What do you need? They can join the Hive. The emotional support. Follow us on social media. We're Detroit Hives at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, sharing our posts. But we also have a lot of volunteer opportunities here. And we're looking to build a community center. We don't have a Hive of our own yet. We've been building Hives and creating places for our bees, but not for us. So we're in the process of doing that. And so donations, and if you're near Detroit or coming to visit Detroit, having volunteer opportunities. Okay, great. Yes. What is the website where people can find you? Yep. So they can find us at DetroitHives.org, and they can also reach out and email us at info at DetroitHives.org. And then if they're looking to support us with buying shirts or purchasing honey. That's all on the website as well. Okay, good, good. All right, folks, you know what to do. We will link to Detroit Hives and all of the places in the show notes to make that an easy click for you. So you don't have to remember all of this, but I do want you to remember Detroit Hives. I do want you to go to their website and there are multiple ways you can support. You can donate, you can buy merch, you can buy hunt, you can cash as king. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just help out any way that you oh, can. Yeah. You can also help us celebrate. We co-founded, I forgot to mention this, we co-founded National Urban Beekeeping. Yep, and it's celebrated July 19th. July so help 19th. us celebrate it. Okay, July 19th, National Beekeep Urban Beekeeping Day? Yep, National Urban Beekeeping Day. 
All right. We will link to that as well and make sure that our listeners have access to that. Thank you so much, Nicole, for joining me on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Definitely my pleasure. I learned um, so much from just following you on the socials and taking a look at your website. And folks, there is a, a mini documentary out there about Detroit Hives. I will find the link. We'll link to it in the show notes as well. But it was really interesting. So you should check it out. <laughs> and it's short. It's six it's minutes. Short. It's like six minutes. Yes. So, <laughs> so it won't take up the whole day. It's not a mini series. It's a short six minute document- documentary. Yes, definitely. And really well done. So check that out as well. All right, friends, how we do. This is where we call it a day. But I appreciate you so much for spending time with us. I know that you can spend your time anywhere. And I appreciate that you come back season after season, seven seasons and uh, week after week and listen to these episodes and learn about these women and engage with them. So um, please continue. Please continue to share what you're listening to on the show. That's how we have grown to a global audience because you all are so amazing. Don't forget to follow us if you're not already doing that. So you know when new episodes and new seasons are available to you. Until next time, we out.